weeks away from fall camp 2019 beginning. We're expecting fall camp for University of Washington football to start August 2nd. Uh, we haven't got a schedule yet, so that's just an educated guess. But usually that's about when it starts. So August 2nd is when we're anticipating once we get the schedule out, which is official. We'll be able to inform you guys more of what's going on. Just a reminder. If you're looking for those daily updates as well as alerts for any breaking news, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletters, we'll go ahead and get you on the list, huskystadium at gmail.com. Go ahead and uh, tell that to your friends as well. A lot of the stuff that's in the newsletter is geared more towards the casual fan who aren't necessarily looking at the website every day or subscribing. But we have a lot of free content that we do put out on the site that uh, most of them would like to have just to kind of casually keep up Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Scott, the quarterback situation, we're going to break down every position and hopefully you know, really get in-depth on every position and break down each and every player, if not most. We will, I mean, most, if not all of the players on the breakdowns, not only on the website, but the podcast as well. When we take a look at the quarterback situation, Scott, going into spring ball, I think everybody anticipated Jacob Eason would get the majority of the snaps and it would be clear indication that he would be the number one quarterback and starting quarterback and he would get most of the reps. That didn't happen in spring ball. No, it didn't. And I think that surprised a lot of us. Uh, we thought that maybe early on, maybe for, through the first two or three weeks of, of spring ball, that he would share a lot of reps with uh, Jake Hayner, and it'd be pretty split. But toward the end, he would start to pull away and get more and more reps. And that just didn't happen, like you said, Kim. And I think that surprised a lot of people, and it's frustrated a lot of people. But part of that was on Jacob Eason. I don't think he played very well. And um, I think Jacob Hanner did. Jake Hanner did. And I think that the quarterback controversy, if you want to call it that, the competition, whatever you want to call it, that Bush Hamden and Chris Peterson have to sort out, they're not ready to separate anybody from anybody. So it, yeah, I think this is going to go at least a couple weeks into fall camp before we even start to see some separation between those two. Also, just looked like when we were out watching spring ball, it looked like they were looking on working on a lot of other things, not the passing game. Yeah, I, I think they were looking a little at the running game because obviously Miles Gaskin isn't there anymore, and you've got running backs with a little bit different running style than Miles had, and so they want to kind of work with that. They need to get their offensive line going. They need to figure out who's in at right tackle. Uh, they need to integrate Hunter Bryant a little bit more into the offense than they had him last year because he only played the final, what, five games of the season, whatever it was. And I th and Trey Adams still needs to knock some of that rust off. He he looked okay last year toward the end of the year when he was getting his his reps in and in his four games before he could uh, use his red shirt. So um, you know I, I think there's a lot of things that they wanted to work on, but. I mean, to me, first of all, and I think almost anybody out there would say figuring out your quarterback position is probably the most important thing for in any sport, uh, but definitely in football and especially here in the Pac-12 where, the, uh, you know, it's a quarterback driven league. Let's just give people a visual when you're taking a look at uh, Jacob Eason. He's about six, six, some say even six, six and a half, 240, 245 pounds. And then you look at Jake Hayner. He's not six foot. They listen no, to you, six foot, but he's probably close. It looks to, like big brother, little brother. <laughs> yeah, he's probably 5'10", 190. And when you take a look at it, yeah, it looks like um, brother and... and uh, little brother. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, that, 
Well, go ahead, Jim. But then, you know, you take a look at what was going on out there, too. Jacob um, Eason, I thought, had a, had a fine camp. Hayner seems to have a little bit more of that underdog mentality, like he's got to make things happen to really make that jump, which led to a lot more mistakes. I thought uh, Jake uh, Hayner had a lot more mistakes than Jacob Eason, but you know, like I said, you know, they split the reps and it was kind of weird what they were running on offense and didn't seem to be pushing the passing game. So it was a little bit difficult to tell. But I mean, I, I don't think it was head and shoulders, Jacob Eason above Jake Hayner. Oh, definitely wasn't head and shoulders. I would say they were pretty even, you know, um, the, the thing about even if they're even, though, the thing about Jacob Eason is that he has a higher upside. Um, you know, his, his ceiling is going to be a lot higher than Jake Hayner's ceiling is going to be. But the key for Chris Peterson, we've said it. I don't, I mean, what has he been here five years now? So we're entering year six, I think of, of the Peterson era. And we've said it every year, as long as a guy's making good decisions and making, uh, the right throws and accurate, he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt from Chris Peterson and, and whoever his offensive coordinator is. It was Jonathan Smith to begin with. Now it's Bush Hamden. And I think that's still going to be the case. But when you've got a higher upside uh, in Jacob Eason, I think he's going to get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt if they're both playing pretty well or they're both playing about even. So we'll just have to see. It's it's going to be a real interesting how Bush Hamden, I, I think he's a you know he's a, obviously a young offensive coordinator and however he handles this is going to be real interesting and I think it's going to tell the tale of his future as a, an offensive coordinator and eventually a head coach how do you expect the uh, spring ball to st- I mean fall ball to start out what I mean mm-hmm. I, I think Jake Eason, Hainer will- Eason if he's going to be the starter needs the reps yeah it, now if you want me to to go with so Jake Hayner got the first snaps with the first unit uh, in spring ball, part of me says that they'll give Jacob Eason those first snaps at the start of fall ball because that's how how they tend to go. But I still think since there's been no separation between the two, and given that Jake Hayner has a little bit more time in the system and knows the system a little bit better than Jacob Eason does, at least at the end of spring ball, that was the case. Maybe over the summer, Jacob Eason has really increased his knowledge base and everything like that. But I really think that Jake Hayner is probably going to get uh, the first snaps of the first group. And I think people are going to be a little annoyed at that. Well, what's going to be interesting is when uh, Jake Browning was um, announced as the starter, he was announced, what, about halfway through fall camp? We didn't anticipate a starter to be named until slightly before game time or game week, but uh, it was announced quite a bit earlier than we anticipated. What would you anticipate um, this year on a starter being named? I will be surprised if we go into game week without knowing who the starter is. Um I think the the coaches want that guy to just take it over and and make that decision. Now, maybe we know just by observation who that probably is going to be, and maybe Chris Peterson doesn't say anything until hey, we'll we'll let you guys know when the when the depth chart comes out on Monday, but you know Monday of game week. But um, I, I have a feeling we'll we'll probably know or have a really good idea who it's going to be by the end of the third week of uh, camp. And I guess there's really only two weeks of camp, and then they do another week of uh, just regular practices. But, um, yeah, I, I think we'll know by, by third week. But 
would it shock me if Peterson and uh, Bush Hamden just said, hey, we aren't going to let you guys know until you see who takes that first snap against Eastern Washington. So um, I think this could go anywhere in there. I think it'll be in the first three weeks, though. When we take a look at what happened in spring ball, when there were not only Jay Kaner, uh, Jacob Eason, but you had Jacob Sermon, um, Colson Yankoff, and Dylan Morris, there's some thought out there that one of the reasons they may have split those reps so evenly between Eason and um, and Hayner was because there was possibly some indications that either Sermon or Yankoff could possibly leave the program. And both actually did put their name in the transfer portal. For less than 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Yankoff wound up going to UCLA. But, you know, there's a school of thought out there by not giving Hayner the reps that he could put his name in the transfer portal as well. And that would have caused a real problem. You mean if Hayner had gone? Hayner, Sermon, and Yankoff, all three had put yeah. their name in the transfer yeah, portal. Yeah, you just, yeah, you never know. Um, I mean, I'm just not huge into conspiracy theories. You know, maybe that isn't a conspiracy theory. Maybe that's just trying to make sense of what's going on. But, um, you know, I... I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, but I, I, I really feel like they wanted to give Hainer and and Sir, and uh, and God, too many Jakes on this team, I know. Uh, Sir, Sermon and or I'm sorry, Hainer and Easton enough reps to to really make a good decision on who's going to be that guy and for them, um, you know. <laughs> The the way that the especially with the transfer portal and how easy it is to transfer nowadays. Remember how much harder it used to be, even just two or three years ago, Kim. It was impossible to transfer, and now everybody's doing it. And I think the coaches are trying to figure out different ways to doing it. So would it surprise me if that was the case, where they they gave Hanner enough reps to make him feel like he had a legit shot? Sure, but if we're thinking about it, you don't think Jacob Hanner's thinking about it? So I, I think. Uh, I think every non-starting quarterback in the country is thinking about it, Scott. No, but what I mean is if you and I are thinking about the fact or or any people on our message boards or Chris Fetters or Brandon Huffman or, or Mike Varell or any of these guys who cover the team or, or have followed things, do you think if we're thinking about it, do you not think that 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 they gave him the reps just so he'd stick around? Oh, that that's... Jake Hayner and his family and, and the people who care about him might have been thinking the same things? Yeah. Yeah, so if we're thinking about it, then they're probably thinking about it. So maybe it wasn't that way. The others are thinking about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to turn this off, Scott, by the it's way. It's okay. You can hear fine. the messages Keep in going. the background. Keep going. <clears throat> but um, yeah, anyways, uh, and like I said, Hayner had a fine camp. Um, like I said, I think he was more mistake prone. But um, well, he, he's got that gunslinger mentality. And I think Jacob Eason has that gunslinger mentality, but I think he's afraid to make mistakes. And I think over the offseason, hopefully Bush Hammond and Chris Peterson sat him down and said, look, you don't have to be perfect. We want you to, to just go out and be you. If they do that with him, I think he ends up being the guy. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. 
Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. And to be honest, you know, going into spring ball, I thought that, um, you know, at the finish of spring fall, spring ball, you know, I, I thought Jacob Sermon really asserted himself and showed that he belonged. And I thought he had a pretty good camp. So um, some of the things that we've heard about, you know, Jacob, I'm expecting him to come into fall camp and seeing a little bit different attitude, a little bit more confidence, a little bit more relaxed Jacob Sermon and, you know, him just being himself. But I liked what I saw out of Sermon. Absolutely. I thought he looked really good. And that's why it surprised. Well, do you remember when you and Chris and I were having to deal with with uh, he and Colson Yankoff both entering the portal, we all thought Colson was probably going to end up be end up being the one who transferred. But then Jacob throws his name in, and and I think we were all kind of surprised by that because we thought he was playing pretty well, and and he had the family ties to the program and everything, and we just thought that it's a no brainer that he's going to stick it out and be here. You know, Jake Jacob Eason's going to be here a year or two, and and then he'll take right over and and. You know, so I I think just a lot of it for him is is going to be how his teammates accept him back because the confidence level sure seemed to be there on the field. So how he's accepted in the locker room, even though we put his name out into that portal, is going to be really is that's really going to tell the tale on whether he's going to be able to be successful here at the University of Washington. Sermon's a big kid too. He is absolutely huge. He 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 looks like a guy who belongs as a starter at a major college football program. He's just, he's big. He's 6'4", 6'5", 220, 225 pounds. Um, can can throw pretty much any pass you want him to throw. Seemed to have a commanding presence there. Stood tall in the pocket. Didn't seem to get flustered. I just, I thought he had one of the best camps of any of the quarterbacks in in camp and and so then to see him try and transfer just was a little baffling so you got to wonder what's kind of going through his head and where his head is at if it's where it's supposed to be i think he's going to be a guy he might not push for playing time because i really think this is going to be between hayner and um and eason but at the end of the day he might be the guy it might be that situation where let's say jacob eason wins the the um, starting gig and Jake Hayner is your is your backup. Well, then let's say Jacob Eason, God forbid, knock on wood, he goes down in in the first three or four weeks, and they know he's going to be out for for several weeks. Maybe they put in Jacob Sermon, even though he was behind Jake Hayner, uh, because maybe they feel like he's got the higher upside. Kind of like why. I think Jacob Eason is going to stay in there, but maybe if if Eason's only going to miss a game or even just like the rest of a of a half or whatever, then Jake Hayner is that guy that steps in. It, like I said, we've said it several times. It's going to be really interesting to watch how they they play this and how they work that depth chart. And we're all interested in that quarterback battle with Eason and uh, Hayner, but I'll tell you, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Jacob Sermon because I think he can do some really, really nice things. And when you take a look at what Sermon was doing, as opposed to Col- um, you know, J- um, <laughs> Yankoff, uh, why Colson. my space, Colson yeah, Yankoff. I want to call every quarterback Jacob. Um, yeah. When you take a look at those two, um, I think it was understandable why Yankoff left. He really seemed to struggle in not just one or two, but he just didn't seem comfortable out there at all unless he was running the ball. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I think, you know, there is some something to be said for the amount of pressure he might have felt um, playing for a, 
high-end program like Washington that's challenging for Pac-12 titles and possibly going to the playoff and being in the national title hunt, um, as opposed to a, t- a school like UCLA where he can maybe build from the bottom up and, and kind of, where, I mean, you can't get much worse than what UCLA was last season. And toward the end of the year, they really started to play well, even though they, um, you know, they I, what did they end up with? Three wins last year? Uh, what, thir- three and nine, whatever they were, four and four and eight, whatever they were. And um, I think he, maybe he feels down down at UCLA, there isn't quite as much pressure and he can he can come in and be a little bit looser. And instead of trying to be tight here at the University of Washington, where, you know, it's a situation where you got something good going. You don't want to be the one that screws it up. You know what I mean? So I think maybe he just needed a change of scenery to get the best out of Colson Yankoff. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I think that he went to a real good program. I think that he may be the most talented quarterback on the roster at Physically UCLA. talented. Physically. Yeah, and I think by doing that, you have to understand that your first-team quarterback's going to get most of the reps. Yankoff just wasn't going to get the reps here. I think UCLA will invest a lot into Colson Yankoff, and if he takes to the coaching and he figures it out and is able to really you know, take off from the coaching down there, it could be a really good fit for him uh, down at UCLA, especially with Chip Kelly's offense. If he gets the Oregon version of Chip Kelly, not uh, the San Francisco 49ers version of Chip Kelly. Yeah, or even the Philadelphia Eagle version. Yeah, so keep an eye on Colson Yankoff down there. But uh, taking a look also, uh, Dylan Morris did some really nice things too coming in where he still should have been in high school, but uh, he came in, didn't get a ton of reps, but, uh, you know, he just he seemed to belong. Yeah, the, the thing about J- uh geez. I'm going to do that for a while. Can you just keep trying to call everybody Jake? Jake, Jacob Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan Morris. Um, as long as Dylan, the, the, as long as I've watched him, nothing ever seems to fluster him. He doesn't seem erratic. He doesn't seem scattered. He doesn't seem like the moment is too big for him. He just seems like he rolls with the punches and, and Hey, this is what we're doing. Let's go. And, uh, he's a very good leader, has a good arm, uh, really good arm action. When you watch him throw the ball, uh, ball comes off his hand really nicely. He doesn't have a huge arm like he's going to throw it 70 yards in the air, but he can throw it easily 55, 60 yards. He's got he more can, of an arm than people know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he isn't going to have that cannon, but he's got a good enough arm that he can get the ball out. And, and you know, a lot of people have been used to what uh, Jake Browning has done here over the last three, four years. And I think you're going to see Dylan Morris have a little bit more zip on the ball, even though he is a lot like Jake Browning and a lot of the other stuff he does. But he's going to have more zip on the ball. I think he takes a few more chances with the passes, down the, especially across the middle. Stuff that Jake uh, Browning just really was hesitant to do. And um, But yeah, I, I thought he had a really good spring camp for being his, you know, he should still be going to high school proms and going going into high school classes and he's trying to get used to the weightlifting program he's trying to get used to going to school like you have to at the university of washington and then throw in that he's trying to learn a playbook and he's trying to get used to new teammates and all that kind of stuff i thought he looked pretty good um to expect him to challenge for playing time this year i think is very unrealistic i think he's a red shirt for sure and uh next year though you know, if Jacob Eason, let's say Jacob Eason is a starter, he blows up, decides to leave early. I don't think he's going to, but, um, you know, if he decides to leave early, uh, you know, 
Jacob Sermon is right there. You've got Dylan Morris, and then you've got, um, you know, uh, uh, Ethan Garbers who will be coming in, and then Jake Hayner would also be left. So, I, you know, I think Dylan Morris could challenge for playing time uh, down the road uh, in just a year from now if he really catches on like we think he's going to. But this year I think he's just going to sit and learn and, and learn how to run that offense and learn how to be a college quarterback. And if we're talking about quarterbacks, you know, I want to take a few minutes and talk about, you know, we heard a lot of talk in the off season, you know, since the uh, end of the Rose Bowl, the offense needed to be fixed. And in order to fix the offense, that's not on the quarterback. It's on the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator is just not the guy who calls plays, but he's the one who designs the schemes, designs the offense and coordinates everything together, you know, gets guys, you know, with the absence of a guy like John Ross being able to develop an offense that can get guys deep without that world-class speed be able to get the running game going so there's a lot more to being an offensive coordinator than just calling plays eyes are going to be on bush hamden quite a bit you know i kind of jokingly say at the end of uh, beginning of last year butch uh, bush had black hair but by the end of the year it was salt and pepper it's obvious that he's under some pressure to get this thing fixed scott oh absolutely i i think he feels that pressure and I mean, when you go from a prolific offense like Washington had in 2016, it goes down a little bit in 2017. It goes down even further in 2018. Yeah, the pressure's there, and I don't think it's undeserved. I, I don't think that Bush Hamden is terrible. I don't think that he isn't uh, a guy who could be successful as an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school. But, yeah, he... I did not see the results I was expecting to see last year. I thought it would be relatively seamless, especially since he ran a lot of the same stuff that Jonathan Smith uh, led, and and uh, that wasn't the case. And so the pressure is on. I'm sure he feels it a little bit too, and he's going to be working with a lot of new pieces, especially it, it doesn't help that you're breaking in a new quarterback and you lose a record-setting running back like Miles Gaskin. So the thing that helps him, though, is that they've recruited really well along the offensive line. They've got a NFL-caliber quarterback uh, in it, in the system in Jacob Eason and Jacob Sermon, if you want to throw him in there as well. Then you've got wide receivers who are young and inexperienced, and uh, but they have some talent at the wide receiver spot. And it's going to be fun to watch how Puka Nakua and some of these other guys coming in are going to really impact things. Uh, Taj... Taj uh, uh, Taj Davis. Davis, yeah. Taj Davis is the other one, you know, and and how he works Hunter Bryant in. And, and I mean, Hunter Bryant, is it me, Kim? Or should Hunter Bryant have 80 to 90 targets every year? Oh, yeah. And I, I think mean, he will this year. Yeah, I think he will, too. But with Jake Browning there, would that have been the case? I just don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So uh, just a reminder, we will be breaking down each position and uh, if not going over um, every player, we'll go over pretty much most of the players on every position on the podcast, as well as uh, the written text. So nobody will break it down better than the guys from dogman.com. Again, we're expecting fall camp to start, if not August 2nd, real close to that. Nobody, and I mean nobody, will cover it as in-depth and as comprehensive as the guys from dogman.com. Uh, so just keep a stay tuned here. Also, hey, Kim, if you look, yeah, real quick, I want to, I, we, I didn't want to forget us to forget to mention that we are going to be on KJR on, uh, on Wednesday. Um, yes. we'll get that finalized. Uh, we don't have a time finalized on that, but expect it at some point in the afternoon on KJR on Wednesday. 
Uh, Scott and Chris will be in studio. I will be down at Pac-12 Media Days down in Hollywood, down in uh, right off of Hollywood Boulevard, which is where you belong, Kim. It's, it's where you belong. Sh- it's a freak show. It's a freak <laughs> show. But everybody thinks Hollywood Boulevard is this really cool place, and then they go and it's it's like walking through Pioneer Square. Uh-huh. It's not good. But anyways, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, we'll have that on KJR on Wednesday. And just a reminder for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, huskystadium at gmail.com. Send us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 